the past, present and even speculation about the future will find a place in the latest poetry collection next by Autipoti Dunedin-based writer Alan Roddick. It's the Octogenarian's third collection, covering 2016 through to last year, and includes several poems relating to the COVID-19 lockdowns. Alan also reflects on his childhood, meeting up with an old mate by chance after many years, and the invisibility and health concerns that come with age. Alan Roddick was born in Belfast in Northern Ireland and immigrated to New Zealand in 1952. We start our conversation with one of Alan's poems from Next. A Good Axe The gift of a good axe Conversations with the wood If it hears, it doesn't listen But I try to pay attention To what each billet says for itself Or implies about us both Cross-grained well-seasoned, willing to work together. Tuck, uttered with confidence, makes the split halves leap apart and tells, too, what I've done right, while Puck strikes a note of doubt and Puh warns me we're wasting time. On my part, it's Hmm and Aha or uh, as I free the blade, reading the cuneiform for my own defeat. But there, at the woodpile, that's life. We learn to stand, the air sings, talk. Alan, listening to you read that, it makes me think that a poet's ear is different to many of us, that you are so alert and alive to the sounds of things most of us wouldn't think about, like the sound of a blade in wood. Have you also always had that kind of hyper-vigilant listening ability when you think about it? I haven't known that I have it, but it does appear in the poems from time to time. One big interest of mine has always been the sound of words, and I've got a non-New Zealand accent, I've got a Scottish accent, uh, when I'm talking, I inherited that from my grandma, who lived with us during the war, and I've really treasured a lot of grandma's words, Lowland Scots words, and the sound of them. In one of the poems, there's the word gurning, which means to, to grizzle and complain, particularly of a small child, and I think gurning is a, is a very vivid word. And in the same poem, I discovered that whinging is the complaining noise that a hinge makes when it needs a, needs a dab of oil. And it's a tremendous treat to discover these sorts of coincidences out of the sound of the words. That's the sort of thing you're talking about, I think. It's exactly the sort of thing. And actually mentioning your granny, I mean, your family, again, have a, a real place um, at the heart of this collection. And I feel, particularly in a way, I get to know your dad in poems like First Crossing of the of the Southern Alps say. Yes, my poor old dad. I'm not sure what he would have would sort of have thought of that if he ever got, had to read it. Oh really? Why is that? <laughs> he was a very careful driver and he took great pride in his car and we had driven in this relatively foreign country all the way from Auckland touring around the South Island and here we were driving up the top of the, the main divide which he probably didn't know it was called at the time, and the road was only half made, if that. Um, and he was really concerned that he was going to end up with a wrecked car halfway up a mountain. 
and five other people to look after. All very realistic, but um, his solution to it was slightly curious, making us all walk up the mountain while he drove. Dunedin looms large in your collection and as often as the way, and I'm a Dunedinite so I can say it, the weather, (laughs) you know, it's a big (laughs) part of it. (laughs) Plenty of it around and and the place. Um, But it's it's meant a lot to you, Alan. I mean, it shines through in the poems that it has a a large presence and, and one that inspires you in all sorts of different ways. Yes, we were very lucky when we came back to Dunedin in uh, 2001. We were able to buy a house at Broad Bay, which had a glorious view across the harbour, looking over to Port Chalmers with all-day sun, if the sun was shining. Though I've got one treasured photograph, which was taken in summer, in which you can see absolutely nothing because it's completely clagged in in, in fog. And that's another typical weather day for Dunedin. Uh, just at the wrong time. Yes, it's been a, it's it's a very important place to me, and and the harbour, in in particular. There's so much going on there. It has cropped up in several poems. The poem about the the shags flying up the harbour to follow a whale feed uh, that's coming into Anderson's Bay and then crash diving into their tucker, the way they do. It's very dramatic in lots of ways. You have a couple of health-related <laughs> poems in here too. One when you're on a treatment table and one, which did tickle me, uh, dedicated to your dentist. Well, it was my birthday and I had to have an extraction. Um, I, I had an, an ancient tooth that had been heavily filled for many years and it had died. And according to my calculation, it was going to cost about $10,000 to treat in various complicated and clever ways. And um, I thought I would rather have it sacrificed than go off, off spending the kid's inheritance on one tooth. And uh, the dentist, who she was a new dentist to me, I just had to change dentists because my previous one had retired, as they perversely keep on doing if you live long enough. She did such a beautifully easy, straightforward, painless job of it. She was also talking to me while we were waiting for the local to work, talking to me about decluttering and the uh, the things that she was planning to do at home to declutter, and she had yet another book about it. It seemed to me that I was myself being decluttered uh, in a very appropriate way. <laughs> you have some poems relating to uh, to the lockdown in here, one called Lockdown, Hold It, and the other I thought we might chat about, which was at last level two, and you date it specifically, 13th of May, 2020. Gosh, it feels so long ago. I think the poem came out pretty much as my, my um, experience that night, looking out the window, getting up in the middle of the night, and um, as I often do, and um, the poem appearing and then daybreak coming. It, it was uh, quite a, a vivid recreation of the experience. I had to put the date there because I wanted... Uh, I didn't know whether there was going to be one lockdown or, or two or six or a dozen, as none of us did. And I thought if I put a date there, that will at least f- fix that particular occasion for me. Now, of course, we've moved away from lockdowns into something much more intangible, I think, the last line of the poem, which was, isn't it, parodying the Macbeth line, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, 
in terms of today and then today and then today seem to me to be trying to capture the the likely permanence of what was going to keep happening in the future after the formality of the lockdown had been taken off us. Alan, one of the poems I've kept coming back to was Our Last Meeting, and many of your poems are dedicated to people, and this one is for David Cardana Holmes. And there's just so much in this, and there's a line saying, because you're you're having a chat after 60 years outside of Captain Cook, and you say, the light's changed, and yet again we learned how old age can make us look invisible to the young who thronged the crossing there. I thought that was a very powerful line. Yes, it's a fact of getting old. One can disappear from sight, particularly in shops. If you come in and stand there, people carry on looking right through you unless you speak up and (laughs) make yourself visible again. And I don't think two old geezers standing at the traffic lights talking meant anything at all to the dozens of students who were pouring past on their own track after lectures and heading off for lunch in the cafe or whatever they were doing. But it meant so much to the two of you. And again, that line, we retraced our 60 missing years, who were still alive and who was writing. I imagine that that meeting meant something to both of you. I have never known what it might have meant to David. I haven't seen him since. I'm not even sure where he's living at the moment. But I was really pleased to meet him again since he had been a member of the writers' group in Dunedin in the 70s when we were learning our trade and it was really good to catch up with him again. I know, I know he has read it because I found an email address and was able to send it to him. But uh, yes, people who emerge out of one's past, I think it's often a good idea to try and catch them somehow in, the, in, in words, in a way that mark their presence and maybe their disappearance because... That's the kind of thing that is happening to us all. With this collection, Alan, poems from 2016 to 2021, I see that um, under uh, Pahia Hill you have 1975 and 2019. So are some of these poems revisited or just that one? There are two of them. The River Crossing, yes. There were poems that I had written and I thought I had finished, but something didn't please me about them and I just couldn't make any improvement and I put them away the Pahia one is a really complicated syllabic poem which I think was all the rage back in the 1970s and uh, I was really experimenting with the style it, it wasn't it wasn't something that felt native to me which is probably why I felt that I'd failed with the poem but when I got it out a few years later and uh, looked at it, I could see where improvements could be made. And exactly the same thing happened with the river crossing poem. Um, I think I just had to lose one line and suddenly it turned into a workable poem. And the rest of it I had always liked very much. And it's a shame when you've got something which is almost right and, and you could say, OK, that'll do. But... As with the title of my second book, Getting It Right, that was the kind of thing that I was focused on. Alan Roddick, next is published by Otago University Press.